It's always fun to go on an adventure, to discover new things and rediscover old things that may have been forgotten. I'm Joseph Williams, an intern here at West Valley Christian Church, and we're in a series called Discover Life. We're going to go on an adventure, journeying through God's Word, lifting up rocks, walking on new paths, and looking at old truths in fresh ways. So put on your shoes, grab your water, and let's go discover life. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm Rob Denton, and if you didn't know, I am have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God, amen, and love people. So we're in the fourth week of a uh, five-week series on uh, what we've entitled Discover Life. And I want to bring you up to speed for those of you that haven't been on this journey with us, and then for the rest of you that can't ever remember anything I ever say, I'm going to remind you. No. (laughs) So the very first week, we talked about Jesus. Jesus. And we learned that uh, really Jesus is all about a relationship. It has nothing to do with religion. Christianity is about a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen? And, and then the second week, Pastor Josh did a great job of teaching us about this. And this book is what we call the Bible. And we know that this is the Word of God. And you are the church that believes that this is God's Word. As a matter of fact, it's God's Word. That means this has authority over this right here. If this guy says something and this guy says something, this guy's the one that's right. Amen? So we then took on a double whammy last week because you guys looked so bright. I thought, well, we'll give you two things. But I told you the truth is I won't preach one without the other. We learned last week about sin, and we learned that sin is a radical problem. But really quickly, right after that, we learned about grace. And we learn that grace is the radical solution. Amen? Well, today we're going to talk about this word discipleship. And I know that's not a word that we tend to use in our English language. Uh, It's kind of, I would call it Christianese. But we're going to really delve into it. We're going to dive into it and see what does it mean, really, to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? So let's do this. Let's bow our heads in prayer, and then we're going to move forward. God, um, <laughs> thanks for getting me up here uh, for another time. And, and God, it is by your grace I stand here. Uh, Lord, I, I'm selfishly praying that you help me be present in this moment and to really communicate what it is that, that you have that you want shared. If there's stuff that I'm thinking about that, that you would not want shared, we just say push that to the side. We want to hear from you, God. We, wanna, we want to hear uh, through the Holy Spirit what it is that you have to say to our lives right here, right now. I, prepare, I, I pray for my friends. I pray that you would prepare their hearts to, to receive uh, this message. And God, um, it is by your grace we sit here today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So, so what does it mean to be a Christian? And what does it look like to live the Christian life? And I want to say this and be very clear about this. I'm not talking today about... Um, you know, how to become a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is for that person that is visiting with us today, and like last week, we had just over 600 people. I'm telling you, we probably had 30 to 50 people that were visiting with us. Amen? 
And, and I don't know where they're at in their spiritual life, and I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But what we're going to be talking about here today is answering this question, what does it mean to be a Christian? And for those of us that maybe have walked with the Lord for a long time, this is a time to check ourselves and see how we're doing with this. But please don't hear this. What I am not preaching about is if you are not doing these things, you're not going to have it. Okay, I'm not communicating that. We know it's by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, his son, that we get to go to be with the Lord in heaven one day where there's no more pain and no more tears and no more school shootings. Amen? Amen. But what we're talking about here is just the practical. What does this look like when a person gives their life to Christ and becomes, quote unquote, a Christian? Well, I'm glad you asked. So we're going to look at God's word, and we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 11. If you need a Bible, these fine men are going to make their way down. Raise your hand up there. I know some of you are opening up to your Bible apps. We're going to go to Acts chapter 11. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, starts with Matthew. Then you go Mark, Luke, John, and then you get to this wonderful book called Acts. And Acts chapter 11 And and what I want to do is I want to start actually off in verse 25. Acts 11, 25 says this, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Now listen, the disciples were called, what's it say? The disciples were called Christians. First, at Antioch. Now, here's here's what you may not know. This is the one and only time the word Christian is used in the scripture. This is the one and only time Christian is used in the Bible. And yet, you fast forward to 2018, and that's something we all use, that term, right? I'm a Christian, or are you a Christian, or Christians are a bunch of this, or right? I mean, in our culture, we use the word Christian. But that wasn't something that was oftentimes used. And so what I want to do in answering the question is what does a Christian look like? What's the Christian life look like? We're going to see here in this passage that, that these word, the word disciple and Christian are interchangeable, right? And, and we get to see that disciple equals Christian. So we're going to see the word disciple a lot more than the word Christian. Are you with me? Does this make sense? And, and so a disciple... Disciple is, is, is not a Christian word. As a matter of fact, the word disciple means, does anyone know? It means learner, okay? So, so I mean, if you go back in history, uh, you had uh, great philosophers that were, were known and, and, and people would follow them and they said, I'm a learner of, you know, Socrates or I'm a learner of Plato or I'm a learner of, and you just finish filling the blank. Then you fast forward to 1988, when I became a Christian, and I heard this term, uh, uh, disciple, and I heard about being a Christian, and, and I heard it's being a learner, and then I'm watching a Dodger game. I know that's really hard for you to believe, but I was watching a Dodger game, and the announcer said this. He said, so-and-so, and I can't remember who the batter was, is a disciple of Steve Garvey. Well, I know Steve Garvey because he was my childhood hero, first baseman for the Dodgers, Right? But basically what he was saying is the guy that was up to bat learned how to hit from Steve Garvey. He put himself under Steve Garvey and was a learner, was a disciple of him. 
So when we talk about Christianity and we talk about what does it mean to be a Christian and we make that commitment to Jesus Christ, what we are saying is we are disciples of Christ. We are sitting under Christ as the one in whom we want to uh, draw our teachings from and our examples. Christian is little Christ. Now, no way do we ever become Christ. I'm not saying that, but we strive to be like Christ. If you were here last week, I had that big bullseye up on the stage. And really what we're saying is, what the scripture is saying, what God's word is saying, a Christian's goal is to be like Christ in the best way that we can. Does this make sense? So with that said, I'd like to... uh, talk about, well, what does this life really look like according to God's word? John chapter 8, and we're going to camp out here uh, for the, most of the rest of the service here. John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31 says this, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. There's that word. If you hold to my teachings, what are his teachings? Well, it's the word of God, isn't it? So if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will do what, church? The truth will set you free. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? You see, it's one thing to learn God's word, and it's another thing to live God's word. You've heard this said often from from the stage, it's not, being a, it's not about being informed, but it's about being what? Transformed. It's not just good enough to know, but Christianity goes beyond just knowing, and it goes to living. I um, have a buddy of mine, Jim Cordell, and um, Jim, when we tore down our house about 10 years ago, uh, we wanted to put wood floors in. And Jim uh, is great at laying wood floors. And um, so I was kind of that guy that was there, right, as Jim did this. And if he needed a board cut, I could cut it. Or if he needed glue moved. or I was just kind of that handyman. But Jim was the one that knew what was happening. And Jim did a great job in my house in laying the floor. And, and, and as the days went on, you know, I learned more. And I was probably a little bit more helpful. But, I mean, he was the guy. You fast forward to maybe a year ago, uh, a couple of the bedrooms weren't done, and so we wanted to do one of the rooms, and I called Jim, and I said, hey, Jim, can you come over and help me do this? And, and so uh, we did it, and I learned more, and I felt a little bit more confident about my skills, but still, he led the way. Well, we had two bedrooms left, and so just last week, um, Easton's room, and he's got all these allergies, and there's carpet in there, and we said, we just got to get rid of this carpet, so we ripped it up, and I thought, you know what? I think, I think I could do this now. And so, why are you guys laughing? So, so I give Jim a call, and I'm just like, hey, hey, you know, this is what I remember. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. And, and then I remembered this. I, I definitely remembered this. Jim said this. That very first line, that very first row that you lay is the most important one. Now, you don't even have to know about flooring why that makes sense, right, church? 
I mean, that thing goes a little cockeyed, it's not square to the wall, then your, your room, just good luck, right? And then you could just call it artistic after that, or autistic, I mean, I, I, you tell me. But, but I know, you know, he said, you know, square it up, this and that. So I went for it, I went for it. And uh, I might have even surprised my buddy that I didn't call him to come over and help, but this became a family group project. We had Easton in there, Lisa was in there for a little bit, my mother-in-law was in there for a while, Drew, my father-in-law, but, but, but when it was all done, I'm gonna be honest, I was shocked. It actually looked good. And, and, and I sent the picture to Jim. And Jim, being the humble, thoughtful man of God that he is, responded with, oh, it looks so good that maybe you were trained by a professional. <laughs> and you know what the truth is? I was. Because Jim absolutely knows that part of uh, Lane Wood. And I put myself under him and I learned from someone that knew what they were doing. Now, I could have said, ah, you know what, Jim? He doesn't know what he's doing. That first line, whatever. I'll just throw some glue down, and we'll just kind of eye it, and we'll just try and figure it out. I'm telling you right here, right now, it would have been a mess, and my wife would not have been happy. Church, the most important thing that we could do as Christ followers is put our under the word of God. And the word of God will guide us and direct us. My question is, how are you doing? How am I doing? And it's not just put ourselves under it because that's just knowledge, but it says to obey God's word. It says to live it. Amen. Now, please hear this if you weren't here last week, there's a lot of grace that's involved in all this because there's no human being in the world can, that could do this, right? Have you figured that out, church? Yeah. It's like, man, I got my life all lined up towards that bullseye and I'm doing so good and then so-and-so comes in my life or so-and-so cuts me off on the road and all of a sudden I'm going this way. Come on. You know, someone comes into my life and it irritates me and I get angry or I get frustrated or I lose, you know, whatever, or, or, or I'm doing good on the internet and I'm staying away from the stuff I need to stay with. And then there's that one website that I just said, oh, I wonder what that's like. And then we go this way. There's so many things in life, right? But here's the deal. God's grace covers us to get realigned again and get back to obeying his word. How you doing? How am I doing? I love, uh, I love the story I heard this week of Mark Twain. You know Mark Twain? He encountered a ruthless businessman from Boston. I don't think there's any other kind of businessman, right? Ruthless businessman during his travels who boasted that nobody got in his way once he was determined to do something. And he said, as a matter of fact, before I die, one day I'm going to go to the Holy Land. And when I get to the Holy Land, I'm going to climb to the top of Mount Sinai. And when I get to the top of Mount Sinai, I'm going to shout... I'm going to shout to the world as loud as I can, all 10 commandments. Well, I love this because Mark Twain says, no, 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 I got, a, I got an idea. He goes, why don't you stay in Boston and just live them? Ouch, huh? There's a difference between shouting the 10 commandments and living them, isn't there? There's a difference between knowing God's word 
and living God's word. How am I doing? How are you doing? This is one way in which we can love God, isn't it? Again, this isn't determined on whether we go to heaven or not. That's all God's grace and it's the blood of Jesus Christ, right? We're just talking about since we're here on this earth, after we've said yes to Jesus Christ, what does this look like? What does a Christian life look like? It looks like one that really strives to obey God's word. Well, secondly, John 13. Turn there with me, please. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my what? That you are my disciples if you love one another. There it is again. If, if, if you want to be a Christ follower, one of the things that happens in our life is a Christ follower, a characteristic of what it means to be a Christian, again, not always being perfect in this, is to love. And you're like, pastor, that's cool. I'm all about love, man. You should have seen last, last Wednesday, man. I hooked my wife up or I hooked my husband up, man. It was Valentine's Day, man. I got the C's candy or the roses or we went to Carl's Jr. and I said, order anything you want. Right? It's like, we're not even going to go through the drive through window, man. We're actually getting out of the car and sitting in there, man. I'm not saying that's what happened in our life because I was leaning wood floors on Valentine's. That makes wife happy. But what is love? I mean, yeah, I love, I love, I love people that deserve it. I love people that love me back. I love people that are worth loving. Amen, church? Let's hold hands and sing kumbaya on that one. This is an easy one. But the problem is that's not what the word says, does it? Oh, there's Jesus again. He goes, yeah, you need to love. But love as what? I have loved. Oh, are you kidding me? You want me to love like you? Yeah. But Jesus, you love people no one else loved. Yeah. And Jesus, you, you, you rolled with people. You hung out with people that no one else wanted to hang out with. Yeah. You, you, you even loved people that, 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 that taunted you, that, that beat you, that, that falsely accused you. Yeah. And you want me to do that? Yeah. I don't want to. Because you know what? There are people I don't want to love. How about you, church? Am I the only one that is so stinking messy in this area? I mean, there's people that I will love, and I will love, and I will love, and there are people like, no, no. Some of them are sitting right here. No, no, just kidding, just kidding. kidding. But think about that. This paints a picture for us on what it means to love. We love like Christ loved us. <laughs> I, I lost it second service. I, I wasn't ready for it, but I'll, I'll, I'm okay. But as I'm looking around the service, I, I 
with everything in my heart could say that this church loves. Now, we don't love perfectly, but some of you are incredibly ridiculous models of love for me. Like, like you're my heroes kind of love. Like, you do things and love people that aren't even on my radar. Yesterday, something happened on this campus that was absolutely amazing. And you know what's cool as the lead pastor of this church? It just happened the other day. Easton, my little, my little guy, we were pulling in here, and the parking lot was full, and Easton goes, what's going on here tonight, Dad? I said, I have no idea. You know what's cool about a growing church? You don't know half of what's happening. And that's a good thing. And so I did know what was happening yesterday because our underground ministry with the teens were here, teenagers. We're here from 8 o'clock in the morning to about 6 o'clock at night. And you know what these guys were doing for all that time, those 10 hours? They were eating. They ate three times, and they ate a lot of food. And, and they were goofing off and having fun playing games. And I'm telling you, some of those games were so fun that I even went home and tried them. One of them was you stuck an Oreo cookie. Try this, try this. You stick an Oreo cookie on your forehead, and you have to be able to get that cookie from there to your mouth without using your hands. It was awesome watching these kids do it. One just like popped it right in there, and one it fell on the floor like 10 times and still couldn't do it. For a diabetic, it's awesome because you get this amazing reward at the end. <laughs> But this is what the kids were doing. I mean, they were just having so much fun. And then they go upstairs to their new space, which they're almost already outgrowing. I mean, there was like 70 teenagers upstairs yesterday with about 15 adult volunteers. And then they go worship for like a half hour. And then, and then they listen to some teaching and preaching. And then they get in small groups and they just talk about their lives. And then they go on a scavenger hunt around this valley and have some fun and they come back and eat. I'm telling you, it was awesome. Our teenagers are awesome at our church. And it was amazing to watch them worship. Here's teenagers that are on their faces worshiping God. Teenagers with their arms extended. And that doesn't mean that that's the only way you could express yourself. But you know how humbling and awesome it was to see our teenagers loving up on God that way? And the energy that was there and the encouragement that was happening. But here's what's amazing, why I'm sharing this in, the, in light of love. There were 15 plus adults that sacrificed their entire day yesterday for these teenagers. 15 plus adults that, that came and, and there was a, some that came and, and, and prepared a beautiful breakfast. We're not just talking cereal, Fruit Loops and toast. We're talking eggs with spinach in it and homemade uh, cinnamon rolls and bacon and, oh, I must be hungry, and sausage. And, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And then, and, then, and then some of these leaders, they have little kids. Some of them have bigger kids. Some of them have a life. All of them have a life, and yet they dedicated themselves to these teenagers all day yesterday. Isn't that awesome, church? I love, I love our adult leaders that are pouring into our kids, into our teenagers. Love does this. We have, we have a couple. You, you don't even know this. We have a couple that comes every Saturday. Every Saturday they come in here, and you know what they do? They arrange these chairs. 
because we have a school in here Monday through Friday, and, and sometimes the chairs get a little bit out of whack. Sometimes there's pieces of paper here and there. And they come in here, and they straighten out all the chairs, and they pick up any papers that are left. And then last week, because our f- services are growing, they added more chairs here. You will never know who they are, but that is another way of showing love, isn't it, church? This is why I get emotional, because our church does some crazy, amazing things. You... You as individuals do some crazy, amazing things under this whole idea of loving people that truly humble this guy. Thank you. Thank you. You see, disciples are Christian. A Christian obeys God's word, and a Christian loves, loves people. Then we go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 8. John 15, 15, verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, of all the passages so far, this is the one that's a little confusing to me. This is the one that's not so self-explanatory. Like, bear fruit? What's that mean? Do I got bananas popping out of my ear? You know, I got oranges come, you know, out of my nostril. What, 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 is, what is the deal? Oranges out of the armpits? I'll stop there. Oh, no, some of us are real spiritual, and we go, oh, I know what it is. It's Galatians. It talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and it's love and peace and patience and joy and kindness. And although that is wonderful, that's not what this is. It's really simple. If I go to your house, and I go to the backyard, and there's a lemon tree, and I go to pick a piece of fruit off of the tree, off of that lemon tree, what kind of fruit is going to be in my hand? It's going to be lemon. See, you guys, you guys are sharp. If I go to the back and there's an apple tree and I go grab a piece of fruit, what kind of fruit's in my hand? It's an apple. If I go to your backyard and it's a disciple tree and I go to grab a piece of fruit off, what is in my hand? It's a disciple. And what is a disciple? It's a Christian. So what does this mean? As a Christian, we have the privilege, we have the honor, we have the responsibility to be able to share Christ with others. Oh, no, pastor, this is, I'm all in agreement, but this is where it gets a little sideways because that's why we hired you. And that's why you have a staff and they're all supposed to go and share Jesus with everybody. Well, let me just let you in on something. The only reason I share Jesus with somebody is not because I'm a pastor, it's because I'm a Christian. Did you hear that? All of us that call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior have been called to bear fruit. Now, what I'm not gonna tell you is how much fruit. Is that like one piece of fruit or is that thousands? Well, for Billy Graham, it's been thousands, amen? For you in your lifetime, it may be one person. And you know what? It doesn't matter the amount. It just matters that it's on your radar. Did you ever think that God has given you that responsibility? Have you ever thought that God has given you that privilege? I'm gonna tell you something. The best thrill of your life, the best thing that you could ever do in your life, the greatest feeling that you will ever have, and I I know I'm going out on a limb on this, but it's true, is allowing God to use you to help bring someone that is lost and hopeless to the grace and the cross of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? 
That's the best thing you could ever do. And some of you are going, oh, man, I don't know the Bible that well, and I don't know how to ex- explain things, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't. It doesn't matter all the I don'ts. You know, the most powerful thing that you have is your story and God's story, and that's all you need. And a pair of ears. I want you to dream about that. I want you to taste that. I want you to to see that. I want you that to be on your radar about how your life truly can make an impact for eternity on someone else's life. Picture this. Okay, you and God are good and that's great and you've given your life to Christ and you're gonna go to heaven where there's no more pain and no more tears and no more death. But when you get to heaven, can you picture this? It's not about running up to Moses and going, Moses, what was it like to part the Red Sea? Or Rahab the prostitute, man, how did you go from being that to being so significant in the story of God? Or whoever you want to put up in there is that person that's going to be like, oh my gosh, I get to talk to them. But what if you get to heaven and all of a sudden you're bombarded by people running up to you going, man, I would not be here if it wasn't for you. God used you at a perfect time in my life to bring his good news church, that's not just a dream. That could be reality. And let me tell you, the reason you're here is because someone was bearing fruit in their life. I don't think it's an accident that the person whose tree I was picked off was here, is here tonight. And that's my sister. She's visiting with my nephew from San Francisco. And if you know my story, and I'm not going to tell the whole story. Mom and dad got divorced when I was two. She was just a baby. She lived with mom. I lived with dad. And she went to West Valley Christian School because mom didn't want to put her in the busing program. If you remember that back in the 70s, they would put the kids here on a bus, send them to L.A. The kids in L.A., they put on a bus and send here. Mom put her in a Christian school. Christine finds the Lord every other weekend when I'm here. Hey, why don't you go to youth group? Nah, that's good for you, Christine, but not me. Fast forward to my car accident. I'm 18 years old. Should have died. I say to my sister, tell me about this God, and she did. And here's what's crazy. I'm standing here now as your lead pastor. If you don't think you got hope for your life, Look what God did with this messy fish. And look what God's doing with this messy fish because I still got a lot of cleaning up to do. I'm grateful for my sister showing me the love of Jesus Christ. Somebody did that for you. Now, let's not waste our time sitting in purple chairs, but let's do that for another person. Amen? Amen. That's what I believe it means to share Christ. Last but not least, die to self. A Christian dies to self. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then come follow me. What's the context of this? Think about this. Jesus is like superhero. 
You know, it's like, it's like the Beatles in the 60s. It's like Justin Bieber, you know, five years ago. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jesus is here. What is he going to do? What kind of miracle is he going to perform? What, what kind of powerful teaching is he going to give? What, what is he going to do now? And he gathered this whole crowd, and he noticed that this crowd was following him, and he realized that he wasn't about creating a bunch of fans. He wanted followers. So there was a time in Jesus' ministry, what I just read in Luke 9, where he said, if anyone would come after me, he must not sell and take up his cross daily and then come follow me. He drew a line in the sand and says, I'm not about fans, I'm about followers. I'm not about those that know about me, but I'm about those that are gonna live for me. And really, this is what I would call all in. Now, I did some research on the internet about poker because I don't know anything about it. That might be sarcasm. But there's a term in poker that is two words, all, 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 all in. And so in poker, you could get dealt this hand and maybe it's just, you know, four of a kind of kings and you've got this stack of poker chips in front of you and others have some chips and you want those chips. And so you go, you know what? I'm putting it all in because I was just dealt a great hand and you shove all those chips to the center and you let them go. You've got nothing in front of you. Everything is there in the center. That means all in because you're putting it all on that hand. And I want to tell you something. I believe this passage right here is an all-in passage. Are you with me, church? It's like Jesus is saying, I want you to take your life, and I want you to put it all in with me. The best hand that you will ever be dealt is not four aces. It is Jesus Christ. The best hand that you will ever be dealt is the good news of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The best news that you'll ever be given is the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in the past. That is good stuff. And my question is, are you all in? Now, I... Uh, 1987, April 26, 1987, I went all in. But you know what I've done? All in, but let me take this back. All right, God, it's back. Let me take this back. Okay, God, it's back. Let me take this back. And that's been every day since I became a Christian. Can anyone relate to that? And I'm just going to tell you if that's you, because it is you, that, that you're not a bad person. You just got to keep going back, don't you? And saying, God, I messed up. Here it is. I'm going to go right here. Again, everything I've described is not a works thing. It's not like I'm doing this so I could be a Christian and God's going to let me in heaven. No, Christ did all that on the cross. It's done. It's taken care of. But why we do this is because Jesus went all in. The best thing that I could do is go all in for him. I'm going to ask if Brandon would come out here. And as we prepare to, to close off the message, and I want to I read to you something that uh, A.W. Tozer said. He says, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen, talks familiarly with, every day with someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he could be declared right, goes down in order so he could get up, is strongest when he is weak, richest when he is poorest, and happiest when he feels the worst. He dies so he could live, forsakes in order to have, 
gives away so he could keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. That just described Christianity, didn't it? How are you doing? Well, if you've been on this journey with us, I want to encourage you to take out your um, bulletin. And in your bulletin, you're going you're gonna to find a sheet in there, and it's our connection card. And right in the dead center of it, it says, I want to become a Christian. If you have not made that decision, we are encouraging you to just circle that as big as you can with your information. And, you, you, and it's not saying I am becoming a Christian. It's just I want to. I've heard all of this stuff. It's time for me to push all in. I know I can't, but he can. And I promise you, a pastor will call you this week and will talk about what does that mean. And if you're a Christian, you're just looking for a home, you're looking for a team uh, to belong on, go ahead and circle, I want to become a member of West Valley Christian Church. And as the lead pastor here, I would love for you to be a teammate as we go and make a difference in this world. Amen. God, thank you. Thank you for for calling us higher. And God, I, I know that I fall short in all this and, and I, I, I don't want to walk out of here discouraged. And I, I'm sure I've got some friends who are Christians in here that, that, that this, this list might be overwhelming. And, and God, I would pray that the devil would have no foothold in our lives, that we would just see this as something that we need to be striving for, understanding that yes, we'll fall short. Yes, we'll make mistakes, but we will grow and we will grow closer to you. I thank you, God, for being able to share uh, this message. And I pray, God, that uh, it helps me and I pray that it helps us to draw closer to you. I love you. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Remember, Lord. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WVCCH. If you'd like more information about our church or services, please visit our website at wvcch.org. Thank you for tuning in. Your tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions and my transgressions that I can.